The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio. Welcome uh, welcome back for those of you who are loyal listeners to the program. I know there are at least uh, at least a couple of you out there. And welcome aboard for those of you who might be listening for the first time. For those of you who uh, who are loyal listeners to the show, just a quick apology. It's been a little bit since I've done a show. Honestly, with the uh, with the slowing down of the NFL offseason and the onset of uh, of summer type weather, yours truly has been uh, spending a little bit of R and R time trying to uh, decompress a little bit, take advantage of some of the uh, the increasingly nice weather. But uh, it's time to uh, to get back to doing some some Valentine's Views podcasts here and and discussing uh, your favorite NFL team. That, of course, being the New York Giants. So today, I thought what I would do is is offer some thoughts on some topics in the news as the uh, as the Giants proceed through their. Their offseason. They're currently in the OTAs phase three of the offseason program before they break for the rest of the summer here in about two weeks. The big topic of conversation right now is the Arizona Cardinals' recent decision to release wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. And of course, uh, that leads to the discussion of whether or not the New York Giants who really don't have what anyone would consider to be a true number one wide receiver per se, uh, should be in the market for for Hopkins, the veteran wide receiver, multi-time pro bowler uh, during his career with the the Cardinals. Chris Flum recently wrote about the, the Hopkins situation at Big Blue View. Giants are considered by most to be one of the teams maybe five six teams who could be a likely destination for hopkins chris wrote the other day that you know that he would stay away from hopkins that he would not sign deandre hopkins if he were giants general manager joe shane i'm going to echo that sentiment I'm not on the sign Andrew, or DeAndre Hopkins 
bandwagon for the New York Giants. I simply believe this. Yes, the Giants could be in a situation where Hopkins would upgrade their talent, but Hopkins is a player who will be 31 years old this season. He's a guy who has probably, while he's still playing at a really high level, he's a guy who has probably played his best NFL football already. Had a stretch from 2017 to 2019 where he was an all-pro three times in a row. From 2017 to 2020, he was a pro bowler, making four of the five pro bowls that he's made in his 10-year career with the Texans and the Cardinals. But over the last two years, I know part of it was a suspension, but over the last two years, Hopkins has missed significant number of games in each season, Part of that also injury-related. He's dealt with a number of injuries uh, over the last couple of years. Knee issues, including a torn MCL, uh, hamstring issues in 2021, uh, knee issue that flared up again late last season and cost him a couple of games at the end of the year. So you're looking at a player who is probably past his best football And for me, with the Giants being in the state that they're in, in the situation that they're in, yes, they made the playoffs a year ago, but the Giants are still not what you would consider to be a true Super Bowl contender entering the 2023 season. And I honestly don't believe that DeAndre Hopkins would make them one. He would give them another weapon for Daniel Jones, quite obviously, but you're looking at a situation where the Giants don't have much cap space. Hopkins is probably a guy who's going to command a big number over two or three years to get him signed. I don't think the Giants can do that. I've heard the number, you know, 18, 19, 20 million dollars annually tossed around. Odell Beckham got you know, a ridiculously large contract, unexpectedly large money in the offseason and didn't play it down last year. He got, you know, Beckham got a lot of money from the Ravens. I don't have in front of me exactly what uh, what Beckham got, but you would have to think that that for a player like DeAndre Hopkins, that whatever he signs for is going to begin with what Beckham got. What Beckham got was a contract that values at $15 million annually from the Ravens. And you would have to think that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be looking for more than that, you know, from whoever he signs with. And I just don't think the Giants are in a position to do something like that nor do I think that they should. As I said, they're not in a all-in win the Super Bowl in 2023 at all costs type of situation. They are still building. They are still pointed toward the future. They are still you know, trying to put themselves in that stratosphere with the Kansas City Chiefs, with the... Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, and 
they're in a situation where any moves that they do make, in my mind, should have the future in mind, not simply 2023 in mind. To me, you go ahead and you let Isaiah Hodgins play. You let Wandale Robinson play, your second-round pick from 2022. You want to find out if Paris Campbell, the guy that you signed from the Indianapolis Colts as a free agent, can be part of your future. You want to allow Jalen Hyatt, your third-round pick, who you traded up for in the recently completed draft. You want to allow him to have snaps. You re-signed Darius Slayton to a two-year deal. You want him to have snaps to see if he can continue to grow in the offense with Daniel Jones. What you don't want to do is impair the development of these younger players who could be part of your long-term future. If you're in a situation where you're you're tooth and nail with the Philadelphia Eagles and you're fighting for, you think you're entering the season fighting for the NFC championship and you're, you're needing that one player to get you over the top, then I think you make that kind of a move. But I do not think that the New York Giants are in that type of situation. I think that uh, that teams like the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC are, in fact, teams that are in that type of situation and could be logical landing spots for DeAndre Hopkins. But I don't actually see the Giants as a team that really, really should be in the DeAndre Hopkins market. So we'll see what happens there. And, of course, if the Giants did decide to... uh, to make that move, it would make them better in the short term. But I would prefer that uh, that they keep the long term in mind and, and let these younger players develop and, and see what uh, see what happens there. Plus, the fact that you have Darren Waller already on board, who who realistically is your number one receiver already. So I I don't see a Hopkins move as one that that I would that I would push for. All right, the next topic of conversation is the Saquon Barkley contract. Had Joel Corey cap analyst for CBS Sports and a former sports agent who's represented some some big time players in both the NBA and the NFL during his career as an agent. Had him on the show recently and you know his basic point was that Barkley can make a shade over $22 million guaranteed money over the next two years if he simply plays on the franchise tag. Obviously, he hasn't signed his franchise tag yet for 2023, but if and when he does, he's guaranteed just a shade above $10 million if he signs that tag and the Giants were to franchise tag him again in 2024, the tag's worth just a shade over $12 million. So you're talking $22.1 or $22.2 million. Corey's point was really that negotiations for a Barkley deal have to start 
above that $22 million guaranteed money threshold. Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post reported this week that guaranteed money does indeed appear to be the sticking point between Barkley and the Giants. And uh, that I think is to be expected. I really don't expect anything to be done here until very, very close to the July 17 deadline for Barkley and the Giants to come to a long-term deal. When I talked to, uh, to Joel Corey, he was adamant that whatever deal that the Giants and Barkley come to has to start right around the 12 and a half or $13 million mark that, uh, that Barkley has reportedly turned down on a couple of occasions. I've tossed out the idea of the Giants perhaps offering him a lesser deal, offering him three years and $30 million, maybe with uh, with the first two years of that guaranteed. Corey does not seem to believe that that is a realistic possibility. He feels like that would insult Barkley and simply lead him to play on the franchise tag. There is quite honestly part of me that believes that Giants general manager Joe Shane would be perfectly happy to have Barkley play on the franchise tag in at least the 2023 season. You know, Shane has said multiple times that he is not a fan of drafting running backs in the first round. He was asked about Bijan Robinson during the buildup to the draft, and he basically said, well, somebody will take him in the first round. And his indication was that there was no way that he would take a running back in the first round, particularly early in the first round. I think that Shane comes from a tree in Buffalo where they haven't really valued the running back position, at least not early in the draft, and haven't really wanted to pay a premium rate for running backs. And I think that's how he looks at it. Given his choice, he did not draft Saquon Barkley. He didn't make Saquon Barkley the number two overall pick in the draft. Given his choice, he wouldn't be in this situation with a running back, Saquon Barkley or anyone else. He would probably not draft a running back until the third round, fourth round, fifth round, try to uh, to use a committee approach to uh, to fill that role or, you know, find a guy. We've seen, you know, Alvin Kamara get drafted in the third round. We've seen, you know, quality running backs get drafted in the middle of the draft. The Giants, you know, with, with guys like Brandon Jacobs over the years and eight, Ahmad Bradshaw, who was a seventh-round pick, Tiki Barber, a second-round pick. So I think that is really the way that Joe Shane would prefer to handle the running back situation. I think that Shane will try to come to a long-term deal with Saquon Barkley, but I do think, as he's indicated a number of times, that he has a walkaway number, and I think that pretty much he has actually reached that walkaway number. I would be very, very surprised to see Joe Shane and Giants go much above twelve and a half or thirteen million to to get Barkley to sign a long term deal. I would honestly be very, very surprised if any long term deal that they reach with Barkley included more than two years of guaranteed money. So it wouldn't shock me 
if Barkley ends up playing on the franchise tag in 2023. But we'll have to see how all of that plays out. But again, I do think that that Joe Shane is really not blowing smoke. He's really not bluffing when he leaves the impression that Barkley playing on the franchise tag this coming season is something that he would be okay with. All right, next topic that I wanted to touch on quickly is the ongoing OTAs for the Giants. They're into the second week of Phase 3, the second week of of on-field work as a complete team. Media had access to one of the OTAs last week, gave you a pretty extensive rundown on uh, on what we saw when we were out at uh, the Quest Diagnostics Training Center. Media will again be allowed to to see this week's Wednesday workout. So we'll have some information at Big Blue View for you from that. Perhaps we'll be able to put together some audio from uh, from some of the availability that we get on uh, on Wednesday as well. We'll hear from head coach Brian Dable. We should hear from select players. I'm not sure which guys at this point we'll be able to able to talk to we really can't make requests at this point in the season because it is the off season these workouts are voluntary giants pr will bring us a handful of players to talk to but the guys who who speak you know that'll be up to up to the giants up to the team up to the individual players as to whether or not they speak to us but we will have as much as we possibly can for you you know from the OTAs we'll have full coverage at big blue view we should have a a a takeaways perhaps another feature or two and of course if any news breaks we'll be uh, we'll be able to uh, to get you uh, firsthand accounting of of whatever goes on. So please, uh, you know, stay tuned for that. Check out BigBlueView.com. Check us out here on Big Blue View Radio as we try to bring you all of of that information. All right, another thing that I wanted to talk about today is something that ESPN's Bill Barnwell you know, one of the more established national NFL writers in the business wrote the other day. Barnwell did a look at the offseason, ranking how he felt each of the teams in the NFL did throughout the offseason. And he put the New York Giants offseason at number 29 overall. And I wrote about this at Big Blue View, and I'm actually somewhat stunned by the idea that Barnwell thinks that there were only three teams in the league that had worse off-seasons than the New York Giants. I really find that to be a, a stunning sort of uh, sort of viewpoint from uh, from a guy who's as good an NFL writer, as successful an NFL writer, as knowledgeable an NFL writer as Barnwell happens to be. I look at the Giants, and, and yes, there are still things to be done. Yes, the Barkley contract is still you know, an issue. Yes, as Barnwell pointed out, 
you can make the argument that the Giants overpaid for Bobby Okereke, the inside linebacker they signed to a four-year, $40 million deal. The only inside linebacker on the market who got more money than Okereke was Tremaine Edmonds, who signed a a big contract this offseason. And again, I'm trying to look that up for you guys right now and see what exactly uh, Edmonds signed for. Signed with the Chicago Bears, signed a $72 million deal over four years. Okereke, of course, four years and $40 million. No other inside linebacker on the market came close to the money that Okereke made. And if you want to argue that the Giants overpaid Okereke, fine. My take on that, which I wrote at the time of the signing, was it's a lot of money, sure. But what it indicated to me was this is a player that the Giants wanted badly. This is a player that they really targeted. They did what they felt was right to make sure that Bobby Okereke signed with the New York Giants. They did not want to settle for one of the other linebackers on the market after Tremaine Edmonds was off the market. They were never going to pay Edmonds former Buffalo Bill with obvious connections to Joe Shane, Brian Dable, they were never going to pay four years and $72 million for Edmonds. But it indicated to me that they clearly felt like Okereke, once Edmonds was off the market, that Okereke was the guy that they wanted and they made sure that that happened. But I look at the New York Giants and, and I – I can't believe that someone would look at at the Giants' situation and believe that only three NFL teams had had a worse offseason, that the Giants had basically one of the worst offseasons in the league. I look at the Giants. They re-signed Daniel Jones, and we can argue about the money, four years, $160 million, $81 million or whatever it is that's guaranteed – and yes, it's more money than anybody thought that Daniel Jones was going to make, you know, when the 2023 season began. But Jones was really, really good last year. He did everything the Giants wanted him to do. He was a huge part of the reason why they made the playoffs. The Giants really had no choice but to bring Daniel Jones back if they wanted to continue to have the opportunity to move forward to get better. What else were the Giants going to do? Were they going to sign Jimmy Garoppolo? There there were there was no veteran quarterback out there. You know, Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming to the Giants. There was no veteran quarterback out there who was going to make the Giants better. And simply letting him go and allowing Tyrod Taylor to be your your starting quarterback in 2023 was going to be a step backwards for the Giants. Taylor's a good backup quarterback, but he's not a guy you want as your 17-game starter. And I'm sorry, you can look in the draft, and we can talk about Anthony Richardson, and we can talk about Bryce Young, and we can talk about C.J. Stroud and Will Levis, and Talk about anybody else in the in the 2023 draft class at the quarterback position that you want. You can't guarantee that any of those players is going to be a better pro than Daniel Jones already is. So I would argue that there was no real obvious way 
for the Giants to upgrade that position to be as good or better than they were in 2022. There was no obvious way to do that other than to make sure Jones came back. The Giants did that, and when you look at the quarterback market, you can argue that Daniel Jones is a mid-tier quarterback, but when you look at the market and how these guys are paid, Daniel Jones more or less is paid like a middle-tier starter, especially once you get to Joe Burrow getting an extension here coming up in the not-too-distant future, Justin Herbert getting an extension, probably Trevor Lawrence getting an, ex- getting an extension. Daniel Jones is going to be in the middle tier of quarterback salaries when it comes to starters, and and probably most people would tell you, you know, he is a mid-tier starter, so to me, that that tells me that he's probably paid correctly, but they didn't really want to make this particular section of the show all about Daniel Jones. My point that I made at Big Blue View is that I think you can look at the roster at every position, whether it's whether it was via the draft, whether it was via free agency, or a combination of both. I think that you can look at virtually every position on the roster maybe with the exception of the safety position where it's probably neutral depending on how well Bobby McCain and and Jason Pinnock play and and how Dane Belton develops you know after losing uh, Julian Love to the Seattle Seahawks in free agency but I think you can look at every position on the roster and think that there is a possibility that there is potential for the Giants to be better all across the roster. They've added wide receivers, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt. They added Eric Gray as a as a running back, as a potential backup for Saquon Barkley in the in the draft. They added Darren Waller at tight end, an obvious, obvious upgrade to their receiving group. They added John Michael Schmitz in the second round of the draft as a potential long-term starting center. And obviously, they're also hoping that 2022 seventh overall pick Evan Neal will take a step forward. On defense, they've added quite a bit of depth to the interior of their defensive line. They added Okereke at inside linebacker. They drafted Deontay Banks in the first round at out at cornerback to pair with a Dory Jackson. So I think you can make the argument that potentially they are better at every spot across the defense. Would be nice if they had a little bit more at edge, but you're also looking at a situation at edge where Aziz Ojolari, 2021 second round pick, was not healthy for most of last year, still had five or five and a half sacks in very limited duty. If Ojalari can be healthy and team with Kayvon Thibodeau for an entire season, that position is significantly better than it was. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I was pretty stunned by Barnwell's contention that the Giants had a, a pretty poor off season. So we'll see how it turns out. We'll see if the Giants are able to be better in 2023. We'll see if uh, 
if they can even match last year's nine win total. You can argue in some respects that uh, that the Giants, I think they were eight, three and one in one score games. There were a lot of games that could have gone either way. You can argue with the difficulty of the Giants schedule and the idea that that teams don't always win those one score games, that that may not be a, a sustainable formula that you could argue possibly that the Giants could be a better roster in 2023 and and not win as many games as they did in 2022 or or win the same number of games. We'll have to see how it all plays out. But to me, the the idea that the Giants had a had an awful offseason is a ludicrous suggestion to me. I think that they did everything that they that they could and, and touched pretty much every area of the roster and potentially, as I've said, potentially made every area of the roster better than it was at the end of the 2022 season. All right, Giants fans, that's the show for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.